Hey, yo, Adrian. Uh, forgive my shitty Stallone impression, but hey, welcome to the Funky Collective. But this is going to be on Rocky. Yes, the original Rocky. This was the request of one Zach Ascot, who has been begging me to watch Rocky for ages now. And, well, suffice to say, you got your wish, man. This will be explicit, um, even though shit isn't considered that bad a word in Australia. Uh, you know... I might say fuck at one point, so explicit. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think that uh, overall this was a really enjoyable movie. As usual, I'm going to go spoiler-free, shout-outs, and then I'm going to go into the spoiler analysis. Now, here's what I think about the film ultimately. Rocky is an inspirational underdog story, and it's by the same director who years later would do The Karate Kid in 1984, now, Rocky was made in 1976 and one was, was one of the films to pioneer the Steadicam tech... Sorry, Steadicam technology. Just a bit of a hiccup there. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, the first feature film that actually used a Steadicam was uh, Hal Ashby's Bound for Glory in the same year. It also was responsible for tracking Danny cycling around in The Shining, you know, the hotel, and he's on his little tricycle thingy. And uh, that one shot in Goodfellas that that goes on through the restaurant, that's also Steadicam. So yeah, it's basically a hand... For those who don't know what it is, it's a handheld rig that you can put onto your body, but it's not shaky cam, you know? It's And it's not quite really handheld either. It's more of a rig and you your hands assist it. This is as far as I understand it, I guess. So, yeah, I might get a few technical details wrong, but it's used for a famous shot of running upstairs, which you probably know by uh, reputation already. So, yeah, Rocky is really... Well, I'm not going to say it was the first underdog movie. We've had underdog movies for ages. Just look, it's, it's a wonderful life, you know? I really think that Rocky is a pretty good movie. It won Best Picture in the year it came out, and it's not hard to see why, but... You know, I mean, Taxi Driver was released the same year, though. Is it really better than Taxi Driver? I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Rocky, but, you know, I think Taxi Driver's better personally. I mean, I know that Rocky is uh, Zach's favourite film. You know, I really did like it. I promise I really did like it. Um, Just one thing, though. I, uh, you know, being sensitive to animal gore myself, I didn't really care for the fact that there were scenes in a meat locker you know, I'm fine eating meat, but that type of stuff, oh, I'll get to it in the, uh, in the later bits, because it's an important part. I won't say why, though. So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. So, Rocky is a film that is more, you know, small-scale, naturalistic. You only have about two boxing matches, you know, I can say that without spoiling it because, you know, people are going to expect boxing match after boxing match after boxing match when it simply isn't the case. Movies in the 70s had a slower pace and uh, more of a build-up and they were focused more on character with films like this and, and Taxi Driver and Carrie. They could get away with a slower build, whereas a lot of attention spans just don't stretch too far these days. I mean, some do, like me and I'm assuming probably at least some of you. But yeah, I'm going to go for the shout-outs now because I feel like anyone who hasn't seen Rocky should see it. Uh, vegetarians and vegans should definitely be warned about the meat locker scenes if they don't like seeing sides of beef. You know, I kind of felt a bit weird myself. I'm not even vegetarian or anything, but uh, I just I don't like the sight of those sides of beef. 
Anyway, so shout-outs to Teacup Arenos, Classic Blonde, Naked Airplane. Uh, by the way, did you know, for those of you who don't know, Naked Airplane, I think, is an amalgamation of Naked Gun and uh, Airplane, a.k.a. Flying High here. So, anyway, um, KO, Savage Elbow, Elsa One, Sam from IJ, Still Mellow, Lee JM75, Contrera, Tessie Cat, Pat Cat, Mary Amber, Real Sharks Podcast, aka Ririshaku, Autistic in Melbourne, Ashy Slashy, Heavenly Imagine, Rose Begali, Larry1937, 2621, Dev Belly Unicorn, Talk Me Into, Schlock V, Films with Amy, Film, Mummatic, Zeus, Elsie Cool, Craig Fisher, Caution Spoilers, Cinemadness Podcast, and Eric Sloss, who I'm sure will be really glad I'm doing this review because, you know, he loves sports and, uh, you know, I mean, I know it was Zach's request, Zach Ascot, but, you know, I already, when I said it was Zach Ascot's request, that was his shout out there. So there you go. But I know Eric is really into sports too. And, uh, you know, I also dedicate this one to him. You know, he's been a good guy. You know, you've all been really good. You've all been really supportive. Now, on with the review, okay? On with the analysis. So from here on, spoiler alert if you have not seen Rocky. All right, so it's a film, as I said, it's more about character than plot. The shortest shot is only done once. It's two seconds. Normally, the shorter shots are about four seconds, maybe 10, 15 seconds. The longest is about 81 seconds, to be honest. The averages are about 15, 20, 30, and average shot length matters. It really establishes the pacing of your film. Rocky never cuts too quickly. All the cuts are are done to preserve integrity, if you know what I mean, you know? The very first thing you see is quite appropriate. Rocky pans across the screen in massive lettering in a quick way, not like in the slow Terminator way, which is also really good. November 25, 1975, Philadelphia, and we're right into a boxing match. We mostly have static shots, shots that move somewhat, and stylized boxing with the with the slap or clap sound that you get. You know, you know what I mean. You know, that stock sound effect you hear a lot. Sweat splatters in little droplets and drips off of Rocky's face. You can see the smoke from the crowd's cigarettes, the sweat drenching Rocky's back. Now, the choice of aspect ratio, the taller one, 185 to 1, is perfect, unassuming, naturalistic, and helps, helps it feel gritty in a small town. Wider images tend to imply, like, wider images than that, than your standard, almost shaped like your nat- natural TV now sorts of images. They tend to imply ex- expense or expanse, but this life has neither. The actors are taller in the frame, which doesn't really matter too much. It's more taller sets. Actors being taller in the frame. Many shots are from the knees up, roughly that height. There are close-ups when necessary for intimate bits of tension. They're not overused, but they're not really sparingly used like David Fincher would do, you know? Uh, yeah. So sometimes there'll be far shots. Multiple things will happen in the same shot frequently. That's a, that's a shot that Spielberg also does. You know, that type of thing. Multiple compositions in one shot. I think I bring that up later in these notes. The titles are nothing really flashy, you know, it's a 42 second shot adjacent to a pet store, but enough of an angle that Rocky's shown walking up the footpath and to the pet store, stopping to say hi to a doggy in the window. He's probably for sale. Then he proceeds toward the gym, where a simple pan left and somewhat upward shows it. Simple, not distracting, not flashy, and perfect for the mundane life part of the underdog story. Then a second shot of people singing in front of a makeshift fire in a steel can, smoke surrounding them, and Rocky asking and receiving a drink straight from one of their bottles, before another simple pan left as he walks to the stairs further from the camera 
and then enters his apartment. The entire opening credits is done in these two shots with a diegetic music source. I hope I pronounced that right, but for those who don't know, diegetic is uh, music you'd hear in real life. So, you know, if it's diegetic, it can come from a radio, it can come from singing. If it's non-diegetic, it can just come from an, a source that would not naturally be in the scene. Like if, if you overlaid music over a uh, over a scene like that, you know? I'm sorry if you more advanced people know that, like not more advanced, people with more advanced knowledge. I'm sorry if you know this already, but you know, I feel like I have to explain some of the things to people who may not know. So keep in mind, some of this information you may already know, okay? So yeah, moving on now. So yeah, the following shot lasts 62 seconds, and I think it establishes his personality perfectly. He enters his apartment, takes a drink from his bottle, and talks to his goldfish. Perfect way to set him up. Desperate for companionship, can't afford a better place. At nine minutes, there's a noticeable jump cut as the as if to stitch a first and second take of the same shot together, but there appears to be no reason to do so. Just a thought for that particular transition. I mean, there tends to be quite a few shots lasting 20, 30 seconds, sometimes once or twice up to a minute. Less cuts than you would get today. Very economical, you know. Rocky is confronting a man about money, and when the man says his first dialogues, it does stay on Rocky's face, because Rocky's being all threatening in his debt collector life. And it cuts to the man when he's prevented from speaking. Then it cuts back to that close-up of Rocky for a moment and then goes to a wide shot. Uh, oh, this is the other moment two second shots are used. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more tense the situation gets, the more close-ups are used. It's only when the tension's actually being resolved that the three two second shots are used. Rocky, the man, and the kind of wide shot. Not really What I think it's like, yeah kind of wide, not extreme wide, but you know what I mean. So within the first 15 minutes, we learn of Rocky's fighting spirit in his life of dealing with debt collecting, his dreams of boxing in his small but exhausting career, his lonely life, his kindness, the fact he's uneducated, his money struggles, and his friendship with his shy lady, Adrian. The pace is like life, almost, and that works in the film's favour. You have to take some artistic license, obviously, and that's, that's fine. Oh, there's a pretty good line at this point. Where's Mickey? He's outside working with Dipper. He's in a bad mood. So am I. Rocky, undercover badass, even though he isn't in the big time. Paulie, Rocky's friend, thinks badly of Adrian. Paulie is her brother, actually. Rocky does try to convince him otherwise. I mean, I know people had shorter lifespans the further you go back, but, you know, why mock her for, and I quote, pushing 30? You know, um, <laughs> it's a, that's a bit of a joke on my part, you know, Way back when, you know, 50 was considered old man and 30 was considered pretty old. And, you know, uh, I don't know. Why is there a stigma about people turning 30, honestly? It's it's not even bad. When I turn 30, I'm going to be like, hey, fine, I have a bit more experience, so what? <laughs> but anyway, Apollo Creed is revealed to be up for the bicentennial and is educated, shown on the black and white TV in the corner of the bar. And it was interesting to see that because I thought America would have color TVs by this point, but obviously these guys didn't. Being in a smaller town, they still will get the broadcasts in black and white, but Rocky's always shown to have a sense of morals, but he's definitely misguided in some places. Like, you know, I think his morality is a bit more black and white in a bad way. 
and a bit twisted because he says, and I'm directly quoting from him, by the way, I did not make this shit up. If Marie, a kid who's taken back home, if Marie uses dirty words, that will make her, and I quote, a whore. He actually says that. One shot pans out from two people to five across the room. I really did like that shot. It's that's when we see Apollo Creed argue against his boss for an opponent. The single shots of Apollo and the boss are roughly five, 15 seconds each. Now, Paulie takes Rocky to his house where Adrian is. They're fighting over whether she goes on a date with Rocky. And, you know, poor Adrian goes and hides behind the door. And then Rocky's like, I don't know what to say because I never talked to a door before. You know, I'm, I'm not even trying with a Stallone impression anymore. You know, uh, Zach does a better impression. Go check out Zach Ascot on YouTube, by the way. I should, uh, yeah, I should add that at the start. I love the little moment where Rocky heads for the front door instead, waiting for Adrian. But then we stay with Adrian and zoom closer to the mirror to show her adjusting things to perfection. And that's where the classic line comes in. You know, it's Thanksgiving, Adrian says. Rocky just retorts, yeah, to you, but to me, it's Thursday, right? Yeah, there's actually, there's a really good scene. I think it's one of my favorite scenes in the film where they're in the ice skating place. But the manager says it's closed before Rocky, knowing Adrian likes to ice skate, you know, poorly tells him that, tries to convince him to please let him, him and her skate. And, you know, when, when he does, it's, you know, Adrian is allowed to skate for 10 minutes with him. And then he says, five minutes, four minutes, three. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the ice manager is nice. I just made it sound wrong. He's not a dealer of ice or anything. <laughs> yeah, but the way he counts down the time makes him sound like a bit of a prick, honestly. <laughs> just let them do their thing for 10 minutes. Say then when the time is up. That is just my little nitpick with that. So this, uh, when he... When Rocky's trying to convince the manager, this goes from a two-shot from the hips up, you know, with Adrian and Rocky, to a closer two-shot of Rocky and the manager separated by bars, and the camera moves a bit forward, the manager walks from the other end of the rink, from the distance, deep focus, you know. The entire exchange is not captured in one shot, but this is a technique that another director, Steven Spielberg, uses frequently in his movies. Just look at Jaws, Catch Me If You Can, Shingler's List, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, you know... He uses this shot frequently, not a specific shot type, but he'll have multiple shot compositions in a single shot, a single uncheated shot. You know, he has his blocking quite precisely and you don't normally realise that it's a long shot, but, you know, yeah, most of the time you won't even notice it unless you had it pointed out. Like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when uh, Karen Allen is drinking and versing that guy and... You know, it's it, it, you show the glasses, and there's like four glasses there. And I think there was a video about Spielberg's one-shots that uh, a channel did. I think it... I Yeah, I can't remember who, but search it up. It's a really good video. Uh, anyway, um, they pointed out that there were like... I think a comment pointed out there were like four shot glasses when four shots were being covered in the single shot, four shot types. So that was really good. So anyway... Going back to, I thought I'd explain that briefly because I thought that was a really cool thing. But back to the ice skating scene, Rocky walking on the ice with Adrian and Rocky mentions his father saying, you weren't born with much of a brain, so use your body. And Adrian saying the opposite. <sighs> it's uh, sad, the standards, the uh, people are held to it. Impossible standards, you know. You can have a body and a brain, you know. Or, you know what I mean, like 
why are they saying Rocky can't have a brain? Why why were they trying to say that uh, Adrian's not attractive? I think she's attractive. Like, you know, in that rare type that you rarely see in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Just uh, someone who looks more normal and that's okay. You know, I miss that type of person in movies. So yeah, anyway, they, uh, you know, uh, they debate whether fighting is merits or not over it's too much busted faces, swollen hands, chewed and twisted noses. Later, when Rocky's punching the meat, uh, Sylvester Stallone actually broke one of his knuckles. And, uh, yeah, he can still use nine of his knuckles. And I think it was a permanent damage to his knuckle. So during the scene, when they walk back to Rocky's apartment, I'm going backwards here, obviously, from the meat scene. Uh, during the scene, when they walk back to Rocky's apartment, Rocky takes roughly the top half of the frame, almost. And Adrian at the bottom. Great use of the frame's height. I like when you use height with this. So there's an 81 second shot. This is the longest you get in the whole movie. Adrian, Rocky kissing in extreme facial close-ups, um, but her resisting a bit. Then 20 seconds of them into a medium to long shot, just below, sorry, below the knees. And, you know, um, two shots, I guess, but the 81 seconds, that was an interesting way to just keep you in the moment, the uncomfortable awkwardness of that moment, you know what I mean? If you see, obviously, you've seen the movie if you're listening to this, so you know what I mean. So, at 54 minutes, there's the motivational statement. Being a loan shark is a waste of life. That being the reason that gym coach is mean to Rocky. These days in the film, the inciting words might come earlier, maybe later. It depends on the structure, really. Note, also, there's only been one fight at the beginning, and then the second fight's only at the end of the film. So, Rocky's convinced to fight by, uh, you know, the the boss guy that I was saying Apollo Creed was dealing with. Um, His name was Jurgens. He's the same boss of management who dealt with Apollo Creed. It's really at 60, 61 minutes when Rocky really starts to get into boxing, but we don't see any matches just yet. And the gym trainer who was being mean to him, oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, his name was Mick. So he comes into Rocky's house and he tries to get Rocky into boxing after 10 years of not helping, but he's basically told to piss off and Rocky can do things without him. He angrily yells at Mick and, you know, uh, Rocky has a great monologue. Sylvester Stallone can act. There is no doubt about that, okay? He can act. Like, yeah, like gangbusters. <laughs> um, yeah, Rocky can do things. And, you know, that at least Mick had the prime, had a prime and Rocky didn't. And that was probably another one of my favorite scenes. So yeah, at 73 minutes, we get a wide side on cam shot. Um, sky's a bit darker. Rocky's running upstairs. You know, he's a bit exhausted and historical shot that pioneered this then new technology. And he meets with Pauly after this in what appears to be a slaughterhouse. Inspired by Pauly angrily punching a side of beef, Rocky does the same. Now, as someone who doesn't like animal gore, this bothered me a little bit. I understand it was plot relevant and it was an inventive way to do things and I respect that. But at the same time, it's not exactly nice to see hanging slabs of meat with, with bones still intact, you know. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, if I sit down to Raging Ball, it won't have that. <laughs> anyway, so at uh, 81.5 minutes, we get the first montage with 
Dun 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 Adrian in the foreground, Rocky in the middle ground, and Paulie standing in a doorway in the back within a small room. They have a private conversation, and only we realise Adrian's there. Sorry, no, wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, wrong note, Paulie is there. And then Paulie goes insane and smashes a lamp and silverware with a baseball bat whilst screaming. Paulie, Adrian get to a big fight, Adrian yells about, like, feeling about a loser, sorry, like a loser... Um, you know, it's like past midnight and I'm recording this, so forgive me for some errors in uh, in saying things in English. <laughs> anyway, Adrian yells about feeling like a loser. She's had enough. Now, that is the prime scene of the movie, even including the ending. I reckon that is a really underrated scene of acting. Adrian just gets to go batshit on her brother. She goes fucking insane after the shit she's had to deal with, you know? That's Rocky non-verbally stands up to Paulie whilst Adrian runs. Oh yeah, wait, no, no, no. I was wrong about the 81.5 minute montage. It didn't really have the music, but it had something else. Uh, That's my bad. Again, you know, I'm kind of mixing things up because I'm a little bit tired, but that's okay. I'm trying to record this for you. Anyway, so it's at 90 minutes and 50 seconds. That's when God of Fly, Fly Now plays. I was mixing it up with the montage nine minutes earlier. So Rocky's running across the city, um, through the back uh, alleys and stuff. He's shown punching meat, rapidly punching a little bag, doing push-ups. At the end of this, he runs up the stairs with maximum confidence and raises his arms, looking out the whole city, punching the air in another glorious steady cam shot. At the end of this montage, he jumps in close-up, safe from the shoulders up. It's like in freeze-frame motion, like uh, Reservoir Dogs has that during the opening credits. You know what I mean? Uh, just a sort of great slow motion shot of celebration, which finishes three minutes later. There's a pretty great use of silence too. Rocky walks into the, into the ring, looks around. The camera spins around once. And something else that was completely unexpected. Rocky just wants to go the distance to fight Apollo Creed, to prove himself to, and I quote, not just be a bum and not necessarily win. I think that's a really brave choice for a sports movie, you know? Like Saturday Night Fever, this is an underdog story. I think it's better than Saturday, by the way. They're two different sorts of films, I guess, but I can compare them in this way. Like Saturday Night Fever, this is an underdog story with realism and it's not fluff. Both films have a certain element of sadness to them, but you can still see the potential for happiness. Now, I'm not going to say anything about Saturday Night Fever, but with Rocky, potential realised. Also, in this film, the climactic event is the climax. There's no, there's no real coda before the credits. It's over when the climax is over. I'm pretty sure I can say that without spoiling the other film. It's uh, 107 minutes in Rocky, and the next fight begins. The fight's in mid-shots. Some close-ups can be seen clearly. Some overhead shots with the ring. Some nearly full-body shots. Close-ups of both of them in the corners with two shots with them and the motivator. You know, that's pretty good. So the, the action does not get monotonous. After a while, it skips rounds, fades to Rocky in the corner getting fixed up, various punches that Rocky and Apollo exchange. Then both of them get quite bruised. Apollo's ribs are broken and Rocky's eye is swollen in a surprisingly graphic moment for a film rated so low in the censorship system. Um, the eyelid is cut open and blood kind of just oozes over the bridge of his nose, almost spurts. 
I mean, fuck, that's unexpected. So, Rocky ends up losing the fight. I think he lost the fight, in my opinion, deliberately. But he shouts for Adrian before she shouts for Rocky. And Adrian! Adrian! Rocky! Adrian! You know what I mean. (laughs) And it goes on to a decidedly triumphant ending, even though the reality is bittersweet. It ends on a close-up of a hug and it freeze frames, like some Scorsese movies do. This is actually a pretty good movie, you know? I'm not going to complain, you know? I may have been a bit grossed out about the meat thing, but I appreciate the genius of that. But it was weird how Stallone actually broke a knuckle punching the meat. Yeah, so there you go. It's really... This film, I can see why it's really popular. It's pretty... It's pretty... What's the word? You know, it's pretty affirming that you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Those inspirational sorts of films. I get why people like them. They need happiness. They need optimism. They need things to be able to rise up. They want to see heroes on that silver screen. They want to see people just like them rise up from the ashes. Not the ashes necessarily, but you get what I mean. Rise up from from the shit, the muck, and make something for themselves. Even if you're in the worst circumstances, you can still rise up. And that is what I love about these movies. They really inspire you. They really make you think twice about all the times, all the times you've beaten yourself down. And I get why movies like this can change lives. So if you want to inspire, if you want to innovate, if you want to create, if you want to electrify, if you want to change lives, we need your voice. Because you can change things for the better. All right, now go on and make things better. I have faith in you all.